0: God has shown me along the way. If it helps you, fine. If it doesn't, fine. But I've always been intrigued by the fact that Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. In other words, there should be some energy in what we do, focus in what we do, heart in what we do. And this world has intimidated us not to have heart, not to have focus, not to be to care. All they talk about caring, but it, it puts us to shame when some of us show care. My son, who recently passed away, shared some precious things with us. Before, when he was last articulate and was able to minister to us, he ministered to us from his bedside, not knowing he was going to die in a month or so. And Derek shared with us an experience he had, a number of experiences he had with an encounter from God, and one of them was quite a moment of humiliation in which he was knew God had come into the room in his deepest and lowest moments, touched him. Derek was a very sensitive man. He had a heart that responded to things around him. He, I, I see it even more now than ever. On his outside, he was strong. He kind of stood back. Uh, He was reserved, but every once in a while you catch him, tears running out of his eyes, you catch him in a moment of pulling away to nurse a pain maybe he was sensing. I think he was a deeply spiritual man, and in the last days he got more and more freedom to release that, and he said to us this phrase, I have learned that the tears you hold back hurt the most. It's not healthy to be restrained emotionally. We need to nurture that part of our life, have it in control, certainly be under self control, but learn to express your emotions. Learn to give your heart to God, and He'll bring you in a balance. In worship, we should be doing that. They did it this morning. This is the season for that. The nurturing of things forgotten during the year, things that caught us, have left us in the haste of life. Learn to bring your heart to God with all your might, your soul, and strength. And you can do that silently. Again, I, I have to say, uh, I took a second flight this morning I told the first service, while they were singing, I was soaring. My eyes were closed. My imagination was going crazy. And I, I, I said this morning, uh, quite adequately, I think, I was sailing around the city of God like a crow swooping over a corn patch. I was imagining the heavenly host, and I was sensing the presence of God, and I was imagining those who have gone before us who are now worshiping in his presence, and I was joining with the heavenly chorus. Church, don't let worship be mundane, routine. Bring everything you've got to it, though it be nothing in your account I always said, a mother who loves her children takes a handful of dandelions as a testimony of love. And God receives your dandelions. <laughs> your crumpled up, inadequate self. And the truth is, the most talented people, the most gifted people, have nothing really to offer God except what he's already given them a taste of. But it does not compare to the awesomeness and the greatness of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and what he's done for us. Well, I was supposed to bring a message this morning and uh, I hope to leave a thought with you before you leave here this morning that I hope sets with your heart. And After I selected this text, I uh, I wondered if I had gotten the wrong one, and right now I'm trying to find it. Oh, my, where is that? Let's see here. There we are. Therefore, because all these things happen, Christ's birth, His resurrection, His crucifixion, His resurrection, because all these things have happened, Since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. I've been fascinated of late how much emphasis people put on professionalism and professionals. And I'm gonna tell you frankly, I've been disappointed in some professionals Many professionals, I almost disdain the word, but the word is a good word. It means to do your best, to raise yourself to excellence in whatever craft you have. But never, never, never take the fact that you have studied hard, worked hard, learned much for granted because it's only a pittance in what could be. I've seen so many professionals in our culture lay back on their laurels and rest on their power and grow dull and dead and insensitive and cold and heartless and covetousness. We see it everywhere, don't we? We see it in politicians. You know, we've always felt, I think, each of us have down deep inside or an awareness of our need. And when we meet our first failures and we meet our first difficulties, when we face our own frailty in some fashion, we go somewhere to look for someone who can stand in for us. We call that person an advocate. You can call him whatever. Jesus, the great high priest of our souls, was an advocate, and intercessor. He stands in that place for us. And that's essentially what I want to remind you of this morning. When all others fail you, when the professionals can no longer deliver, when those who have you expected to stand in for you fail, look to Jesus, the unfailing one. That's essentially the Christmas message when Jesus came, the first thing he did was to fight with the professionals. He he tried to tear down their veneer. He, he came at them and called them whitewashed sepulchers. He told them that they had been teaching, but they needed themselves to be taught. He told them that they had led many astray. He tore open the temple that they had raised to the glory of God's honor and then dishonored it. Jesus ripped into our Stateness, our desire to be somebody and be, have power over others and use power, ungodly power, to control. Jesus ripped into that. And I, I, I used to say to people, I search hard in the Gospels to find the Gospel. The Gospel is really more defined than the epistles, in the letters of Paul, who tells us what these things meant fully. Jesus spent much of his ministry just dismantling before he declared the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now I go to lay down my life for the sheep. And then he did it at the end of his life. So we call them the Gospels, and it is good news if you understand the ending but if you're reading the words, they're challenging, they're confronting, they, they tear out our veneer. They tell us that the rich are not the ones that God honors. And by that, rich in all the goodies of, that, of appearance, He tell us that the poor in spirits are the ones God honors. That those who grieve are honored, not those who don't have any need. You see, Jesus ripped in at the very core of who we are. Bringing us to a point to recognize that in our, when we face our neediness, when we face our, our humanity, when we are a little bit vulnerable, when we a little bit recognize our frailty, then God will answer our prayers and he will come readily to our aid. And that's where the gospel rests, to the common person. In the, old, in the New Testament, look at the story of Christmas, how it just underlined and underscored that he came to his own but his own received him not he came to those who were teachers those who were who had been prepared for this moment and they didn't receive him because they were already smug in their knowledge so he revealed himself to shepherds in the field kind of outcasts in the culture when they walked through the streets people held their noses and turned their backs he came to the Magi, now you say the Magi is an exception to the rule. Not necessarily. They were men of probably influence and power. But they were also borderline in terms of worshipers. They were soothsayers. They, they followed the stars. They looked at the heavens to find messages. And they saw a star that they knew had been promised in, the, in some writing they had read. And they believed the writing for the first time. And they followed to, went to Bethlehem to find out this thing that had come to pass, because that star was unusual and portended something they had read somewhere. But if you look at them, in Jewish society, they would have been outcast. And in, in, in God's own word, where he tells us not to practice necromancy and sorcery and all of these other arts that people practice in New Age movements, they had New Age then too, you know, they were borderline. There was Mary... A little woman, a young woman who is not even, hardly of age to be married, becomes pregnant with the Son of God and bears that shame in, in poverty and, and, and criticism and on the edge of culture that God chose to reveal himself through her. And Joseph, a rough-handed uh, carpenter, God chose that man to shepherd his son to adulthood. So you see, the whole story is about stables and crudeness and lowest place, that God came down to the lowest place, came down as far as he could go to the lowest place of humankind, dying as a criminal, suffering as an outcast criminal being abused and misused to the end and then as we say in the creed descended into hell the lower places and regions of death so the story of christmas is all about how far god will go to meet his people why Because he wants our fellowship. He wants restored relationship. He wants us to come back to him and know that we are made in his image. He wants us to enjoy his heart. To let him work in us a fresh and new thing. To give us a new heart. To begin to work love really in us that has no conditions. No selfish motive. No purpose for power or fame or or any other outstanding thing among men and women. That's the story of Christmas. And it gives hope to the lowest of us in the lowest moments of our life. It gives a hope that cannot be conquered. It gives us a knowledge that if we hold fast to our faith as the scriptures have admonished us, then we should approach the throne of grace, without an intercessor, without a priesthood, without anybody else we're relying on, go to God, open face, telling Him the whole truth, the nothing but the truth of our hearts, and watch Him redeem us. Any of you ever been mad at God? Have you ever prayed a mad prayer to God? Have you ever told God the garbage in your being, the things that haunt you, the duplicities, the lies, the the covetousness, the jealousy, the envy, the ugly stuff to God? Well, that's what it's like to trust your advocate. That's all Jesus our father's waiting for is us to come and say, "Hey, it's all junk. We don't have ourselves fixed. There's no fix for us apart from you. Help me, God." And then the redeeming power of God comes down. We're not believing that anymore. We've just raid a bunch of professionals out there to take care of all of it. I, I have no problem going to medical doctors. I have no problem going to counselors. But just don't take them as seriously as they take themselves. You go to the doctor and he says, well, I, I healed you, didn't I? No, you didn't heal me, doctor. All you did was to manipulate the forces of nature that you have learned, the ways of God that you have understood, and you've manipulated in such a way, and thank God for you, I bless you, but you didn't heal anybody. Medication doesn't heal anybody. God healed us. And there's nothing we can do but tap into that power. And he has privileged us all. I'm, just, I'm not knocking on doctors, don't mean to. I appreciate doctors. I've seen so many wonderful ones. I'm just talking about the professional mentality our culture has fallen to. Politicians, priests, reverends, of which I have been one. Don't take yourself too seriously, your titles too seriously, your appearance too seriously. The church is not for beautiful people like Hallmarks, Christmas programs portray. Ugh. I've seen so many of Hallmark love movies, I don't know what to do. I love, the, I love the upbeat stuff, and my wife and I have been listening since she's in, you know having trouble with her different back. We've been watching all the Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> and now it's getting to be a negative thing in our life because... While we took them as at least upbeat, we're just about ready to throw up. (laughs) The world's not like that. And I see so many churches out here portraying the world that way. And the moment a church starts plastering beautiful people on a wall, and I've I've seen some churches, pictures of girls and moms and dads and all looking like they walked off the modeling line, I just want to get out of there. Because that's not the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is a group of messy people, mixed up people, confused people, including the pastors, including me. Won't you know I'm including myself? I understood that a long time ago. And you know what? I started trying to get people involved. Help me out. We all need each other as a community We need to pull together, but you know what? You can't pull together a bunch of cats. The only thing you can hurt is a bunch of sheep. Noses running, pooping all over the place. Yeah, I said it. You know, if they fall in the water, they drown with the wool. They need help. They can't even find themselves back home when they get a bloated stomach. They get lost, drift. That's why he calls a sheep. Do we really believe that? Yes. God anoints the lowest of the low who believe and trust in him. So this Christmas, as we go through the holidays, I want us to understand, and I think we should understand more and more, that this Christ we have, is the only legitimate intercessor we have who stands before the throne of God having endured temptation himself and not succumbing and he is a witness not only to us, not only to God, but to the cosmic elements of satanic realms that Jesus Christ has perform the complete victory, and we, by faith in him, can go in on his coattails and go into the throne room of God, and we can tell God exactly what's in our hearts and won't be struck dead. So, since we have such a great high priest in heaven, who has gone through the heavens, that's a mouthful, In other words, he's seen things we haven't seen. Jesus Christ, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess with our mouth. That's the beginning. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Therefore... Let us approach that throne of grace with confidence that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. The Christmas story is not just about the birth of a baby, of pretty little scenes that we would create on our Christmas cards, of lovely little messages that we would tell and stories we would tell about Christmas, but it's about... Solving the human condition, healing, bringing hope to the hopeless, help to the helpless, a thrill to the thrillless, joy to the joylessness. It's all about finding who we were meant to be, children of God. Get in union with him. Get back into family. Have that fellowship for which everything we do to fix ourselves longs. See? Be bold. Tell God what's in your heart. Go ahead and tell him every ugly thing that's there. That's called confession of sin. And receive. Jesus took all the reach out of religion. I don't believe in religion. All the reach we profess in religions, all the trial, all the help, all the struggle, he takes it all out and he says, Receive. Receive. He came to his disciples in their lowest moment, and as he left them, as he was going to leave them, he said, Come here, boys, open up your mouth like a little bird received the Holy Spirit, and he breathed on them implication, inhale, and God breathed into Adam the breath of life. Receive. Amen. Heavenly Father, Father, we forget what a great Savior we have, and we long to be more whole, And yet the older I get, the more obvious it becomes to me how really conflicted I am in so many ways. How many ways I am counter to you, but yet I find solace in you in my lowest moments, in my ugliest revelations, I find solace and I give you thanks that Jesus Christ, my Lord, paid my way before the throne of God so I can talk to you this way. Bless our congregation, God, in a moment of its need, in a moment of its prosperities. Let this church, Lord, be a light to the world. Let us, as individuals in it, just find little ways that we can twinkle a little and be lights in the world, and let this season remind us of how we are strung together as lights to the world. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please rise for the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord.